Yeah, thank you, BT. And uh, man, good morning. It's great to, uh, great to be back, um, back in the States. And um, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, trip. We got a chance to visit our partners in uh, Kenya. We have three partners in Kenya, and this was about reconnecting with them. And that was a great time um, to reconnect uh, with our friends at Mamlaka Hill Chapel, uh, Redeemed Gospel Church, where our um, compassion children uh, are. Um, there are many people in Trinity who have compassion children, and uh, so we got a chance to uh, go back to that site and connect. Pastor Muthama, who had a stroke about a year and a half ago, the doctor said that he wouldn't walk again, he wouldn't talk again, and when we pulled up, um, or when uh, he uh, came, he rode from his house on a motorbike, uh, someone someone rode him, drove him, and uh, he got off, he was walking, and he got off, he was talking. And um, so God is always the last one to have, um, to have a say about that. And so it was great connecting with them. And uh, Ruth Okello, who is in the Tala area, many of you know her, she is a, she is a rock star. She is doing work in that area that is absolutely amazing, and, uh, and we celebrate that. And so being able to go to, um, to the other places, uh, to Zimbabwe, churches are being planted literally everywhere in Zimbabwe. Pastor Farai sends his love, as well as Pastor Charles and others. Uh, they send their greetings, and they have a team of people that are planting churches all over Harare, as well as in the rural area. So really, really grateful. Uh, got a chance to go to South Sudan. South Sudan is a very, very difficult place, very difficult, food insecurity. So please be praying for them um, as, um, as we uh, develop connections with them. Uh, same thing with Ethiopia. Ethiopia is experiencing a little bit of a tenuousness in terms of peace talks between the Tigray people as well as the Ethiopian government. They did sign a peace treaty uh, right before we got there, and yet there was the feeling that that is still kind of tenuous. So be praying for uh, Ethiopia. And then we got a chance to go to Senegal, which, again, we, uh, we were able to connect with Josh and Carissa Bell, missionaries that... Um, that um, some of our Sunday school classes or classes are connected with and been praying for them. So it's, it was a really, really good trip. Common denominators, uh, the people there are a praying people. Um, it is as if their lives depend on it. It was not a tack on, it was literally their lifeline. And um, so I was humbled by that, so much to learn from, um, from our brothers and sisters in Africa. Uh, it was, again, great. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for allowing us to be gone that period of time. Um, we did not get sick. Um, we, um, we were just so, so grateful for, for that. We um, did not get sick. We were energized in all of our meetings. I think like the last day or so, both Jack and I, we were like, like dragging at that point, like we were, we were ready to come home. But, um, but we, God blessed us in all of the time that we spent uh, with our partners. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for um, blessing us, supporting us, praying for us while we, were, uh, while we were away. Nothing broke while we were away. 
Tanya rearranged the house while I was away, and um, I don't know where stuff is now. And um, so, um, so yeah, that's, you know, it, it, was a, it was a really, really good trip. You and I have heard this before, and maybe even said it. Will you have this woman or this man to be your lawful wedded wife or husband? To live together in holy matrimony. Will you love her or him uh, in comfort and in health, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others as long as you both shall live? And typically the answer is, I do or I will. And for those of you who are married, you've probably said that before. At least I would hope something along those lines, you've said that. And again, this is um, for those who um, you know, are divorced, you said it um, at the altar when you got married. And, and, and I, I believe that when we say these words, we mean them. And, and yet there are others who say, Hey, preacher, can you just say those words so we can get to the kiss? Can can you just say those words so we can get to the reception? Can you just say those words so we can get to the honeymoon? Not realizing the weight of those words. Not, Not realizing the heaviness of those words. Though those words are not just words that we mouth to get to the next thing. These words that we say in the presence of God and in the presence of witnesses, these words are weighty words. These words, when they come out of our mouths, we promise to do these things. At least that, that's the idea Behind These words are words of faithfulness. These words are words of reliability. These words are words of constancy. And again, please hear me. For those who've experienced divorce or separation, this is not condemnation. This is not shame by any means. This is not that at all. This is about what we're going to talk about today. It is about one of those characteristics that Paul gives Titus to fill the gap between the starry night and the raising of Lazarus. And we, we, we have said these words, and I said these words 28 years ago, and you said these words 35 years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And the immediate context, yes, is marriage, but these words, if we were to take it out of marriage and just say friendship and relationship, we, we say that we want loyalty and reliability in our relationships and friendships. It is this sense that there's something that's missing in our world. If the, if the starry night is the darkness and, and the raising of Lazarus is the hope, the light, the yellow that, that Van Gogh painted, then there's a gap between the two. 
And there's this sense of disloyalty and unreliability that, that we kind of flippantly say our words and not even meaning to keep them. Sometimes we, I know that I've done it in the past. Oh yeah, I'll be there. And I really have no intention on being there or being there on time. And so I think sometimes we flippantly say things and we end up missing the point. The point of what it means to be faithful. The point of what it means to be reliable. The point of what it means to be true to our words. And this is exactly what Paul tells Titus. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, I'm just going to lift just a little phrase from this uh, passage. Titus chapter 1, and that's page 998 if you're looking on the Bible that the church provides. Now, we've been going through this series, and I know it feels like, man, we've been talking about all these different topics and blamelessness and humility and leadership, and like, like it feels like it's disconnected, but what connects all of these things that we're talking about together is this idea of godliness, How do we remain godly in a godless world? How do we remain godly in a world that is chaotic and turbulent? How do we, this world is not our home. We are exiles here. And because we are exiles, we should live distinctive lives. And this is what this series is all about. This is what Titus tells, this is what Paul tells Titus. I want you to be a people that shines brightly in darkness. So starting at verse 5 in chapter 1, it says, this is why I left you in Crete. And we've talked about this. So Paul tells Titus, I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed. So Paul left Titus in Crete to take care of certain things, to help organize the church, to help develop and equip leaders in the church because Paul knew if there, was a, if there were strong leaders, there would be a strong church. And that's kind of the idea. And if there is a strong family, there would be a strong church in Crete says, in every town as I directed, if anyone is above reproach, Brian Williamson talked about this a couple of weeks ago, did a phenomenal job talking about blamelessness and what it means to live above reproach. Our blamelessness is found in Jesus and his death on the cross. And because of his blamelessness has been transferred to us, we get to live this blameless or not perfect, but a life that brings God glory and honor. Now, one of the manifestations of blamelessness is this next line, the husband of one wife. And other, there are other uh, translations that says faithful to his wife, a husband who is faithful. This is, the, the text is a one woman man. That's the idea that, that Paul gives this Uh, this instruction to Titus that when you go looking and developing and equipping leaders in the church at Crete, what I desire you to do is to find individuals who are faithful to their spouses. 
Now, this is super, super important. The immediate context is marriage, but the larger context is faithfulness in all of our relationships, in all of our friendships, at work, at home, literally in every relationship, Paul is calling for faithfulness. Now, what's the context of this passage? Why would Paul have to say this to Titus? Well, the reason why he had to say this is because the Greek and Roman men in this time and in Crete as well as in other areas, they were married, but they also had mistresses on the side. Some of those mistresses were clandestine, nobody knew about them, and some of those mistresses were, the husbands would take them out in the open. So you have a wife and the mistress. And so Paul says, hey, what I want want to see in the church is that there's this, this development of leaders, this development of godly men and godly women. So he felt the need to have to say the husband of one wife, to be be loyal, to be faithful, to be reliable. Now again, this 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 is not just in marriage, this is in literally every relationship that we have. So what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to, yeah, to be faithful? Well, well, there are at least four faces of faithfulness that Paul is after here. The first one is the performance of duty. The fulfillment of our duties and obligations wholeheartedly to one another, loving one another, respecting one another, sharing our joys and sharing our burdens, sacrificial love, rendering, in, in, in a case of marriage, rendering intimacy to one another and not using intimacy as a weapon and withholding intimacy as a weapon. So this first one is that you and I, whether in marriage or whether in friendship, we have duties, we have responsibilities, we have obligations to one another. I have an obligation to carry your burden. Hopefully you have an obligation to carry my burden. I have an obligation to carry Tanya's burden and she has an obligation to carry mine. I think I've shared this before and I, 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 don't, I, don't, do this, I don't do this perfectly. I have failed at this over and over again. When our kids left, I just kind of said like, like we're empty nesters and like, 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 I'm glad they're gone and they're out of the house and we did our job and that's what I thought. And and yet over in another place, Tanya is grieving. And I don't quite understand it because we've done our job. Like like they're out of the house. They are doing their thing and they are are living for Jesus. And, And yet she has dealt mostly with the nurturing part, and I did not understand it. And I made the mistake of like, like in my mind, and I kind of let it slip, can I, can I, 
can't you just get over it? <laughs> Brother's the wrong thing to say. Wrong, wrong thing to say. And, and she wept. And it finally dawned on me, it's like, duh, you don't understand that, that, that she has nurtured and invested and poured in, taking them to soccer and lacrosse in that van. The conversations, and they're no longer there. And, and it was like, wow, I, I wasn't carrying the burden for her. I wasn't respecting what she felt. It's good to share the joy, but I wasn't carrying the burden. So the first one is the performance of duty. When you and I stand at an altar, I'm talking about married people, when you and I stand at an altar and we give our vows, we are saying to God and we're saying to a watching world that whatever I say right now, I promise to do it. Even when things get tough, I promise to do it. Even in rich and poor, in poverty, I promise to do it. Yes, the immediate context is marriage, but even larger than that, as friends, I promise to be there when you're down. So the first phase is the performance of duty, fulfilling of our duties and obligations wholeheartedly to one another. Our second phase is being true to one another's words and promises and vows to be reliable, to have a trusted word. That is, you will do what you say you will do. It's about keeping promises. It's the second phase. So that I promise to be reliable to you or I promise to be reliable. I promise to be trustworthy. I promise to keep my promises. When I say I'm going to do something, I am going to do it even if it hurts. So that's the second face. The third face of faithfulness is a steadiness in allegiance, loyalty, constancy, monogamy, a one-woman man, a one-woman woman. It is about protecting our relationship from outside influences and temptations. It is protecting one another. It is one flesh, same team, seek the best, being unified. And that's in marriage, but that's in our disciple-making relationships. That is in our friendships. That is literally in every relationship. It's about being steady and loyal and constant that I'll be there. And I'll be there for you. A fourth phase is, is when Paul said this, it is adhering or being true to, fa- to a fact or a standard. Now, what Paul is after here is, is that God is the standard. God has been faithful from the very beginning. When God says, I am going to do something, guess what God does? He does it. When God promised Messiah, he gave us Messiah. God says, I will be faithful to give you goodness. I will be faithful to give you mercy. I will be faithful to give you uh, myself. I will be faithful to love you and the manifestation of God's faithfulness is all of those things 
That even when we've been unfaithful, guess what? God has been faithful to us. Amen? So, so there's this sense where he is the standard. Now, we look at his standard and we align our lives with his standard. We align our lives with, if he keeps his word, then God, please train me to keep my word. If we see his reliability, God, would you please train me to be reliable? When we see God's trustworthiness, God, help me to be trustworthy. And to be able to even admit to God, God, I'm inconsistent. I am not loyal. God, I am selfish. God, I see all of that in you. Would you please help me to be like you in all of my relationships, especially in my marriage for those of you who are married? It is a, it's truly about this idea of he is the standard. Jesus is the standard. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have done his own thing, but he chose not to do his own thing. You, what did he say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will be done. And so as a married man, as a married woman, as a friend, as someone who is discipling others, we take our lives, our inconsistency, our disloyalty, whatever it might be, our struggle with all of those things, and we bring it into alignment with his faithfulness. We say, God, please help me to keep my word. Help me to be faithful in all of my relationships. Help me to be faithful to my wife. And faithfulness is not just sexually, even though that's included. It's literally in every other area. God, would you help me keep my word to my spouse? Would you help me to keep my word to the people who are under me? Would you help me to keep my word to the person that I'm discipling, to the man or woman I'm discipling? God, would you help me to keep my word? God, I'm feeling like I, I am so stretched thin that I find myself being unreliable. So would you please help me? Because this is an area that I struggle in, God. Would you please help me to play on the same team and not to be selfish. Now, I, I, this, is, this spills over into, uh, selfishness spills over into my life in this way that I play fantasy football. Oh, somebody said, yeah, woo. <laughs> Bro, listen, I am doing horrible this year. I, I am in like 10th place, I think, out of a 10-team <laughs> league. I used to be a Bears fan. Wow. I'm waiting on a tomato after a while, so. I used to be a Bears fan, but I'm not. You know why? Because fantasy football is all about the individual, not about the team. I like one person on the Bears team right now because he's on my fantasy team. That's David Montgomery. He's a running back. And I want him to get points for me. I can care less about Justin Fields. I can care less about the defense. I can care less about the Bears fan. Or the Bears. I can care less about them. 
Why? Because really for me, it's about the individual. And I think this is what's happened in our culture. That faithfulness is no longer this thing that we are now loyal to a team, quote unquote, loyal even the team, uh, the team uh, of our marriage. We have what's in it for me? What's in it for me? How can I succeed personally? And it impacts our community with one another. It impacts our faithfulness and loyalty to one another. So when Paul says, I want you to be faithful, husbands as well as wives, I want you to be faithful, it really is about performing your duties and obligations wholeheartedly. It really is about keeping one's word it really is about being, a steady, being steady in our allegiance and loyalty and devotion and constant in our monogamy. It really does mean that. It does mean that I am adhering to a standard, and that standard is God himself. So how do we inspire faithfulness? There are several passages I'll share these, and then, um, and then we're going to hear from one of our couples um, talking about this. Well, one of the scriptures is Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and here's our word: faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And if you and I struggle with um, allegiance and loyalty and faithfulness and keeping our word, guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of every single one of us. And part of his responsibility, part of his job, part of his gift to us is to produce faithfulness. It's to produce reliability. It's to produce individuals who keep their word. Friends, listen, we are living in a dark and turbulent and chaotic time where it doesn't matter, it feels like it doesn't matter if a man or a woman or a friend keeps their word any longer. It feels, it feels as if our word is not weighty anymore. And yet the Spirit of God says part of what it means to be integrous, part of what it means to be whole, part of what it means to look like God and to have the image of Jesus shaping you is to be people who are faithful, reliable, loyal, adhering to the standard. Employers and employees, if you say you're going to be here to work on time, 9 o'clock, that's the starting time. It's not 9.10. It's not 9.15. Literally, as followers of Jesus, we are, here it is, we are a testimony to the world. Literally, in all that we do, we say, we, 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 if, if, if we say that we're going to be someplace and we don't show up for a half hour later, I'm, I'm not talking about when things happen, but I'm talking about like we don't give a rip about time. We are sending a message, here it is, to people who are not followers of Jesus that you don't keep your word. 
So how can I trust the God you say is faithful? Does, does this make sense? So, so, so the Holy Spirit produces this in us. It's not something we do on our own. It's a product of the Spirit. This is not moralistic. It's about the Holy Spirit convicting us, changing us, saying, where are you faithless? Where are you unreliable? And I had to, I had to admit that I've shared this before, and it, it still stings. It still stings. When my wife used to say, I said I would be home at a certain time, she said, is that real time or is that Marvin time? And, and I was training her not to trust my word. And I think we train and disciple people in the world not to trust us when we're unreliable. We're discipling people. It's just how are we discipling them? So, so God produces through the spirit faithfulness in us. But then there's a, there's a, a second word that in, or second verse that inspires is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. There it is, our word. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So the first one is the spirit produces faithfulness in us, so we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to muster it up. We don't have to muscle up. We don't have to muster up faithfulness. He produces faithfulness in us. But then, then even when we fail, and even when we're tempted in very, very intense ways, the text says God is faithful. And he will not allow us to be tempted above that which our power can handle. What God does, he gives us a way out. It's up to us to be aware of the way out. Not only does he give us a way out supernaturally, but sometimes, uh, many times, he empowers us to stay up under the weight of the temptation and to trust him while we're going through it. So the spirit gives us, he produces in us faithfulness, God is faithful, and he empowers us to live up under, to live under the stuff that we go through. But then there's another passage, Psalm 101, verse 2. I will sing of the steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? And here's the verse. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. In other words, I will be faithful and reliable and trustworthy starting at home first. I will be trustworthy and loyal and faithful to my friends. I will be trustworthy, loyal, and faithful to my spouse. I'll be loyal, trustworthy, and faithful to my children, to my parents. And there's this sense where it does begin at home. And then it spider webs out to every other area of our lives. 
I think, we, I, think, I think part of disciple making and part of discipleship is the ability to be able to ask one another, are you faithful? Are you reliable? And I'm not just talking about sexually. Yes, I'm not just talking about the monogamy part. I am talking about every area. Are you faithful? Are you reliable? Are you trustworthy? And if you and I say yes, and if you're married, you should be able to ask Tanya, is Marvin truly faithful or is he lying? This is part, again, I know this sounds really, really like, I don't want you in my business that way, but part of what it means to disciple one another is to actually open our lives up to one another in this way. And I should be able to ask the people who are closest to you, how reliable, how faithful, how trustworthy is this person? Now again, I'm not talking about perfection but I am talking about being marked by faithfulness, being marked by loyalty. Private life affects the public life. And when our private life is filled with integrity and honor and faithfulness and reliability, even when it hurts, it bleeds into other areas. And then finally, Proverbs 28 and 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings. In other words, God sees your faithfulness and it doesn't to him go unnoticed. He sees how faithful you are in your marriage even when your husband or wife have not been, has not been. He sees that you've been a faithful daughter and a faithful son when your mother or father got sick. He sees that you are a faithful employee, that you are reliable and you're trustworthy even when there are office politics and you are faithful to God and faithful to the job you said you would do. God sees that you've been faithful to your friends even when your friends are down and sick and tough and they're going through tough times. God sees that. God sees that you are loyal, and when everybody else has run away, you have stayed there. You have been a constant source of encouragement. God sees that. He is not, he, 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 he is not it's, it's not like he doesn't notice it. He sees it, and the text says he will bless. Now, I, again, I, I live, I, you know, part of mine, I'm on Twitter, um, and I, I, um, I'm, I, you know, kind of post inspirational things and those kinds of things, and 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 I'm I'm there and I'm I'm connected via social media that way. And um, last year, again, for those of you who, uh, again, Michigan State fans, 11 and two, great season. Everybody was like, yay! This year, when things are not going like we want them to go. Everybody's jumping off the bandwagon. Everybody is saying, oh, this is, you know, I can't believe and fire this person and fire that person. That is not faithfulness. That is not loyalty. And again, we're talking about something way bigger than a team. But, but, but this kind of gives us a picture of how fickle our faithfulness is, how fickle our loyalty is. 
how fickle our reliability is. And this is what we see in our society. This is what we see in our marriages. This is what we see in our friendships. When things are not going well, then guess what? I'm out of here. And I think, what if God said that to us? And let's, let's, let's roll that a little bit. Oh, you didn't read the Bible today. I'm out of here. You, you just coming back to, you, you haven't been in church in five months. I'm out of here. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop giving you air. I'm going to stop giving you food. I'm going to stop giving you, like, like literally, when we are faithless, God has been faithful. And so, the whole MSU thing is a minor thing to raise a larger issue. And that is what it means to be faithful even when things aren't going well. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop here, but I'm going to ask uh, a couple who's been in our church, Wayne and Rochelle, to come up, and we're going to have a brief conversation about um, about faithfulness in marriage, but also faithfulness, period. And um, welcome them to the platform, would you please? So uh, Wayne and Rochelle, they are part of the Reengage community. And, um, and I just, I, I, I love that community. I love what God is doing there. And, um, and I, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for, for you all being here uh, today. So, so tell us, how long have you been married? Uh, we've been married 15 years and looking for another 15 times 10. Oh, whoa. <laughs> that's a good answer, Wayne. That's a good answer. So 15 years, all right? Um, so, so when you... You were going to say something. Okay. So when you hear this whole idea of reliability, faithfulness, trustworthy, keeping your word, Jesus as the standard, what do you think are some reasons why, again, you can't answer for the whole world, but what are some reasons why you think people might be unfaithful, not reliable, not trustworthy, and using their own standard as the standard. What, what, do you, what would you say to that as um, why people might not be faithful? So I think the first thing is what is our standard? Um, is it the world standard? Is it God's standard? Yeah. So it's what are you benchmarking yourself against? And so for us, you know, God is the center. The second thing is that there's so much distraction. Um, yeah. For us personally, we both have careers, we have busy life, um, we're always, you know, we have kids, kids with a lot of activities. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that just takes our focus away from each other. Um, there's the internet, social media. One can get lost for hours and didn't even know they get lost of hours in, on Netflix. And so <laughs> there's so many things that could just make you disengage from being um, in a relationship, being faithful, honoring your word. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wayne, what would you add to that? 
Yeah, um, you know, also being faithful requires guarding your heart. So it's like, it's not just, you know, a lot of people think faithful, you know, think sexual, you know, being monogamous. But it's more than that. It's guarding your heart both from the outside temptations as well as factors inside. So it's like, you know, guard yourself from the... Persons will see a happy marriage and want to um, destroy that or give problems with that. But also within, you also have to make sure that you're not complacent and you're not neglectful. Uh, Because, you know... Some people have the question of saying, or have the statement of saying, the grass is always green on the other side. But then you also, I was, when I hear that, I always say to myself, you know, why is it green on the other side? Is it not that you're tendering to your grass, fertilizing it and watering to make it greener? Yeah. And so that's the thing that builds that, that, that faithfulness. Yeah. Is just taking care of your marriage inside is that faithfulness. The other thing with marriage, I guess, is that unlike most other things, it's a lifetime commitment. You know, yeah. raising kids is an 18-year commitment. Um, <laughs> your job is a 45-year. Sometimes year. more than 18 Sometimes years. More. <laughs> Sometimes more. And yeah. so because you think, oh, I can do that tomorrow, I can do that in the future, you neglect the now. And that's what erodes that faithfulness, that reliability, that being there. Yeah. I love, I love what, you, what you said. It's, it's number one, it's a lifelong commitment. And it really is about watering and fertilizing and exposing our marriage to things that will help it help it to grow and so i just i love i love that because um we think sometimes we think and not just our marriages but our friendships our relationships i think sometimes we think that oh i i said i do and and somehow the marriage is supposed to grow on its own it really is it does take work it does take time and um and, and not necessarily comparing uh, other, your, your relationship to other people's relationships. So, so here, here is another question. So we talk about the Holy Spirit producing faithfulness, reliability, trustworthiness, keeping our word um, as spouses, but also as friends in our lives. So tell me, what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life individually and then what is the Holy Spirit regarding faithfulness? And then what is the Holy Spirit doing in your marriage as a collective? Okay. All right, so uh, the Holy Spirit kinds of keep you grounded in the Word of God. It kind of takes you back to Scripture. You know, anytime you're faced with a question or a problem or a situation, somehow the Holy Spirit is just there giving you that Word of God to inspire and guide you. And so for me personally, it changes the lens that I look at life at both marriage, both growing kids, both working at work, at the workplace, it changes the lens. It makes you first look at God, look at life from God-centered, and then it also makes you look at at Rochelle as my helpmate, the one here to help me. Not so even if if something goes wrong and we have an argument and we have a discussion, it's not it's how are we going to helping each other? It's not criticized and it's seen as well as as helpful, and also the Holy Spirit helps me to through those lens, be willing to be a servant. You know, just like, oh, Jesus is a servant to the church. It's being servant to her and not saying that it's like I'm putting myself down, per se. I'm just lifting her up. Yeah. Is how the Holy Spirit um, helps me to grow, be grounded. And it also convicts me because I'm not perfect. So, you know, when I do things wrong, when I say I will be here at five and I'm walking in at six and stuff like that, the Holy Spirit convicts me and says, you know, what you did was wrong or how you reacted in this situation was wrong. And so 
it makes me think about it and go and ask for forgiveness from her for the actions that I do. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Rosha, you anything to add to that? No, I think he did well with okay, that. Okay, he did. <laughs> so so what, what is the Holy Spirit doing um, for, for your marriage? How is the Holy Spirit at work in your marriage? That's individually, but in your marriage. I think one of the things that he has taught us is it's not just, you can't just go on your feeling. Because sometimes how you wake up, you make a commitment and you may not feel like doing it. It's being true to your word. I said I was going to do this. This is what I was going to do. And so for, for me, is when Wayne needs me, I'm going to be there. It's priority, God, family, and then everything else, you know. And so, therefore, having that lens, making sure that we're together. But it's also, it, when you've gotten so much blessing, it helps when you're pouring it out too as well. So it's having a community, having somebody else who you're walking with, you're helping them on their journey so that you're not doing this life alone. And there are people who, when we're not doing what we're doing, or they're like, you know, Rochelle, you could do this better. It helps us to be accountable for that yeah. as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me, let me ask you, you mentioned something. So in dealing, in, in your attempt to, again, with the Holy Spirit's power to be faithful, to be loyal, to be reliable, uh, using Jesus as the standard, in what ways are you seeing and sensing God's blessing in your life? Now again, when we hear blessing, we always think materially, and that, that is sometimes true, that God blesses in that way. But, but what are some, what are some blessings, are, some blessings you're experiencing in your marriage? Because again, man, God, I'm attempting to be faithful. Allow the Holy Spirit to cause us to be faithful. What are some blessings you're seeing being sensitive to the Spirit in that way? Well, I would say the main blessing, um, yeah, as most persons think it's financial, but the main blessing I think is joy. I think... Um, joy? Yeah. Okay. All join, right. join our household. Um, we have two boys. Um, Thanksgiving is coming up. We always come. The house is joyful. It's always full of love. And so it makes me happy to come home in the evenings. It's made me happy to hang around on the weekends. I'm not trying to escape and find somewhere. So he has blessed the house with joy. Um, it's also blessed us with a level of commitment. I mean, a couple of years ago, about, uh, I would say, what, about 14 years ago? So early in the marriage, I actually turned to her and said, let's leave Jamaica, let's pack up and come over here to the U.S. and see what life has for us. That was our tall ask. Um, but the Holy Spirit made us know that, you know, it's going to be a hard time, especially be back in school full-time on a low income. But the, the Holy Spirit kept us together knowing that we were working towards something further. Absolutely. And so the joy is here now. Absolutely. I think one of the things it does too is that faithfulness, it's just this undertone and it, it just shows, it's like it takes your marriage from one level to the next, you know, yeah. um, it, it guides how we make decisions, you know, long-term, yeah. short-term. I know Wayne's my ride and die, so when we're Whoa, making decisions. You just, you just, did you just drop that? I know, I know. <laughs> so when he says to me, Rochelle, you know, let's forego this vacation for a long-term goal. 
I trust him. I know mm -hmm. that he has my back. I know that this is something that he's good for. Um, and so we can start seeing things. I'm not hiding my, any account or any money from him because we're on the same page. Yeah. And beyond that, it also, you get to see the blessings of that because it changed not a financial tree. We're able to make decisions that our parents couldn't make. Um, we're able to do things. We get to walk together. We get to talk through it. It's not always easy. We have different opinion on how to do everything. Um, but I know we start with the, the, the consensus. He loves me. I love him. Yeah. And then we move the decision from there. So even when we're disagreeing, it doesn't mean that we can't come to a, a decision. We just have different place where we start. So it helped with how we manage conflict. It helped with how we raise kids. We have better conversation on how to tithe. And we just see the abundance just coming back in. I mean, Wayne talked about, you know, when he asked, let's, let's leave everything. It allows us to take big risks like that. Yeah, and the yeah. life we have now, the abundance of friends, of family, you know, I have a th you know, my three o'clock person that I call 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing from, I thought I'd never have that, but God just fills all those gaps with all those sacrifices and with just that level of faithfulness. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you all so much. Can, can we give it up for the Nesbits? Thank you, thank you. And you, you heard them say that this is not uh, perfection. They go through their issues. We all do. Um, but it really is about being loyal and faithful and trustworthy um, as we relate to one another. Some of you are, are, are doing that. Some of you desire that. And, um, um, you know, you, you've gone through all kinds of stuff and you're still there. You've gone through all kinds of pain and, you st and you're still there. The Tuskegee Airmen, that black, um, um, those air bombers, they, uh, in World War II, they, um, they, they were not only um, in terms of ethnically but militarily. They were called the red tails, and they were called the red tails so they would be identified. They painted the tail of their, um, their planes red. They were called in uh, because um, bombers um, were, uh, our bombers were being um, decimated, losing hundreds upon hundreds. And these airmen, flew alongside these bombers. And this was, their, this was their motto. This was their motto, and as they flew, it says, the last plane, the last bullet, the last man, the last minute, we fight. Let me say that again. The last plane, the last bullet, the last man, the last minute, we fight. And as followers of Jesus, we fight for one another. As men and women, we fight for our marriages. As men and women, we fight for our friendships. As men and women who follow Jesus, we fight. 
the last plane, the last bullet, the last man or woman, the last minute we fight. That's what it means to be faithful. When all hell breaks loose, we fight for one another. We stay there. We're loyal. We don't give up on one another because our Heavenly Father did not give up on us. Amen? I'm going to ask the elders and prayer team leaders if you can come forward now as uh, we stand and have a closing prayer. All the, all the prayer team members who are praying today, all the elders, if you can come up front, if you're part of the prayer team, come up front. Come up front. And... Um, and if you need someone to pray with you, pray, for, pray over your marriage, pray over your friendships, pray over your relationships at work, pray over literally whatever, our team is here uh, to pray with you and pray for you. So let me pray for us. So Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Yeah, for, forgive us for, being, for not being faithful to you. And we, we don't, we don't mean it. We get distracted. So many other things get in the way and we lose focus. We lose sight. And because we're not faithful to you, we end up not being faithful to the people we love the most. So forgive us. And we say by the power of your spirit, infuse us, infuse us with a reliability, a faithfulness, a courage to be faithful even when it hurts. Pray you would take the distractions away. We would limit the distractions so that we might follow you. We would guard our hearts, as Wayne says, that we would guard our hearts inside and out, limiting all the stuff that comes our way because we want to fight on your behalf and we want to fight on one, an <clears throat> fight on one another's behalf. So bless your people, keep them, cause your face to shine upon them, be gracious to them, turn your countenance toward your people, and give them your peace. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, have a great week, we'll see you back here next week.